Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. And if you ever considered hiring an agency in your business or wondered whether you should go down the route of hiring a freelancer or maybe just hiring in-house, then this is the episode for you because we're going to talk about when is the right time to get an agency on board, how you can work with an agency to scale your, your business effectively and so much more. And to talk about all of that, we've got, uh, I'm going to try and say your name right, Bedad. Have yes, I got that? There you go. If I butchered that completely. No, you started with a B and ended with a D. It worked out quite well. <laughs> okay, good. I appreciate that. That's one of those things that usually I check before we start recording, but failed to do that. So uh, thank you for sparing my blushes there. But it's great to have you on the show today, man. Uh, really, really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and, uh, and why you are the go to guy for this topic. Yeah, of course. Um, so it's always nice to, to tell people kind of what I used to do before I got into being a marketing broker. Um, so long story short of it was I used to work for a company very similar to like a Verizon um, or, you know, a Vodafone uh, in the UK, uh, but in Canada it's called Telus. So I'm an engineer by trade. I did sales engineering for many, many years. I uh, worked at that company, uh, Telus, for about 10 years, seven of those years being uh, a customer solutions engineer, which is basically a business consultant who speaks to yeah. businesses anywhere from 50 to 1,000 type employee range. Um, talking to C-level execs, IT, understanding what's going on in the business and then building out a roadmap of like, how do you get from A to B to C, uh, typically talking technology and a bunch of other stuff. Um, while I was doing that, I looked, started getting into the marketing world and started building out websites and doing Google ads and SEO. And I got to a point where I just didn't enjoy doing 80 hour websites on the weekend. And so I started looking for partners to work with. And as I did that, I noticed that most marketing agencies or partners didn't understand business and most business people didn't understand marketing. And so there was a massive gap when you would put people in the same meeting because they don't speak the same language or agencies would pick up work that they shouldn't be picking up because it's not their core competency. So that drove me a bit nuts. Um, so I thought there's a gap here. What if I was able to build out a network of people that I trust, I'll talk to businesses, see what they need, and then yeah. say, here are the people that you need to talk to for your business. So fast forward for over four years, um, speaking to over 652 different agencies and marketing partners over those four years, I basically built out a, a vetted partner network of 80 plus that I talk to businesses and I connect them with the right marketing partners. Nice. What kind of marketing disciplines are they? Um, every type of marketing discipline. So if someone's looking for brand, brand strategy, websites, Google ads, SEO, influencers, copywriters, designers, like you kind of name it, you know, Amazon marketing, um, basically touch a lot of different things. Cause for me, it was all about being kind of that one stop shop, the guy who knows the guy, uh, and can connect you with who you need. Yeah. Um, and every business needs different types of marketing. So, uh, being able to piece it all together is important. Mm, definitely. And that's something we definitely will talk about. It'll be good to discuss that. What makes it a good fit and what to look for in an agency, what an agency should be looking for in clients as well, because I think there's lots of angles that our listeners particularly will be interested in this. There's the, the e-commerce brand owner that's maybe a solopreneur at the moment, but they're growing their sales. They're looking to you know, grow their, uh, you know, team and they're looking, do I hire, you know, it's common in the e-com space like overseas VAs or do I look at freelancers? Do I go to Fiverr? Do I get someone in-house? Do I go to an agency? There's lots of those dynamics there. So it'd be good to look at that. But I think as well, a lot of people in e-commerce, uh, because you do pick up skills along the way, it's easy then to um, make a either a sidestep or a, a bolt-on of doing agency stuff as well. So it's, um, you know, the two worlds kind of live together quite a lot. So it'd be good to, to talk a bit about that. But I think it would be good just to start talking about that outsourcing 
interesting journey and what that does look like. You know, you've been in and around that world for, for a long time now, but there's obviously a journey that businesses go on where they can, A, you know, start to afford certain levels of help and then B, need, have the capacity of work for it. Um, but I, yeah, I'd love to talk about just trying to, for business owners, how do they try and uh, understand at what stage they should get different help, you know, from freelancers to in-house to agency. Um, do you have any kind of intro thoughts that we can jam on sort of? Of course. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it all really depends on the business and the e-commerce business, right? Some have no backing and they're doing everything from ground up and some have backing and they can, you know, start in the middle. Um, but let's say you're starting a, an e-commerce business. A lot of what you have to do is put in a lot of time. Because um, you don't have the money to be outsourcing as much, as the business starts growing a bit, right? You start hitting, you know, say 100k to 300k type range. Now you start looking kind of for those contractors that you can start outsourcing certain aspects of the business, right? Like you, maybe you figured out how to run Google Ads, maybe you figured out how to run some Facebook ads, and at this point, you, the rest of your business requires more of your attention. So, okay, do you start hiring kind of like a freelancer at say anywhere from 600 to 2,000 dollars a month um, to start managing those campaigns for you, so you have your time to go leverage other aspects of the business. Um, but as the business keeps growing, you see a lot of e-commerce business hit that like $1 to $10 million range um, because they've just thrown a lot of things at the wall and things have stuck, especially during COVID with um, all the PPC spend and things that you could do at that time. You could hit $1 to $10 million pretty fast. Um, but it, got to, it gets to a point where you know cost per acquisition and that stuff just gets high and you can't keep spending money on advertising. So you have to go back to the drawing board. And typically what I recommend for uh, e-commerce businesses at that size is, do you have a strategy? And if you don't have a strategy, it's now time to kind of bring in someone as like a fractional CMO, build out a strategy. And then once you have that strategy built out, you can figure out which agencies you need to start plugging in to allow that strategy to grow based on your budget and what you're allowed to do. And so it's kind of this journey of like using freelancers, then getting to like those kind of mid-size agencies that know how to scale businesses and you have the operations and finance to get there. And then as you get a little bit bigger, you might start bringing certain things in-house. Um, say you hired an SEO agency and they charge a certain amount of money for your the articles that they write. And you're like, well, we want to write more. So maybe you do hire a copywriter in-house and then your relationship with the SEO agency becomes, hey, can you build out us the template of what our writers need to write and we'll have our writers write the articles. Mm -hmm. And so... You start saving some money there, but you're still strategically using that agency in just a different way. Um, so that's kind of just high level, just kind of some of, some of the um, how the growth works with e-com yeah. and kind of outsourcing. Yeah, definitely. I know when I started, I was you know pretty set on the idea that I wanted to do things in-house because I think, well you know, train people up with the ways that you do things and then keep them long term and, you know, maybe more cost effective. But I am, I think, realizing, you know, in as I go that that was maybe a little bit of a naive mindset and there is a lot of value to be found in agencies. What are some of the benefits you would say of having, well, working with an agency ahead of bringing things in-house too quickly? Yeah. So when you're working with an agency, one is experience, right? Like just the team that they're bringing on, um, the wall that they level and the, the way that they um, vet their own people that they bring in the agency. If you're working with a good agency, they're going to hire a good media buyer. And that media buyer is working with multiple different accounts. And so mm -hmm. they take that knowledge and that thinking and bring it towards your account. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, like in-house, you don't need someone doing it you know, 40 hours a week, right? You just need to make sure someone's running the accounts, looking at them daily, uh, and making sure that we're making changes as they go through. 
The thing with in-house as well is thinking that we will keep people long-term, right? And I'm sure you probably experienced it, right? But once people kind of get more skilled, they start getting poached. Uh, and so it becomes that same kind of thing. So I'd rather have an agency deal with the fact that, hey, people are going to be poaching your team. I'd rather have you replace that so that I can just continue using you as an agency. And as long as they have good systems and processes, the handoff shouldn't be that bad, right? Usually it's like a yeah. one-month kind of thing, but you kind of got to work through those um, hard times with them. Yeah, definitely. And you said generally you start to see businesses that are maybe doing around a million dollars a year start to look at agencies. Is that the kind of threshold? It's the threshold, I think, where you start getting more effective, like between the one and $10 million range. Like, let's say um, when you're starting up and you're getting to that $1 million range, you have like agencies that are kind of full service. And I'm using quotations because a lot of agencies at that size cannot really be full service. Um, what they do is two or three things really, really well. And then they have a bunch of stuff they do on the side of their desk. But as your business is growing, it's okay that they're doing some of the stuff on the side of their desk. Like you have to just be um, comfortable with the fact that it's going to be done at like an average level. Yeah. But once you get to a certain point, once you get to that one to ten million dollar range, really like three and ten, um, now you start looking for more specialized agencies. So you take that kind of like full service agency and you break it up into okay, now I need a PPC, an advertising partner, I need an SEO partner. I might need a copy partner. And now you start piecing those things together. And what your in-house structure might look like is you actually have like a marketing director basically connecting the pieces, like basically managing that team and seeing the overall picture. And then you'd have like a fractional CMO on top um, where you don't like initially build the strategy. And then you kind of have like this like small retainer of like, let's just check in and make sure things are going well. But allowing the marketing director to run with the day-to-day -day and yeah. using someone more for strategic guidance. Do you, would you say this is a more popular route or more uh, a route that more businesses take than bringing in in our stuff? Yeah, it's what I've seen from um, like I would say like ninety five percent of the businesses that I talk to in the e commerce mm -hmm. space, especially in that one to ten million dollar range. As you start getting higher, like as you start um, expanding past that and you start getting to scale, now it becomes more of like an in house and outsource model, and so you yeah. end up just hiring specialty aspects. Like maybe you don't want to build an SEO team in-house, but you want to bring PPC in-house. And so it depends on the business and what what knobs and levers that you want to be pulling yeah. and which ones are more effective doing in-house and which ones are more effective outsourcing. Um, and some businesses just do outsourcing. Like I know billion-dollar e-commerce businesses that have 17 people on their marketing staff, but they are using 30 different agencies wow. to basically run their marketing teams. Yeah, yeah. So... A common, I mean, obviously a billion dollar uh, brand aside, um, at the lower level, a common rebuttal is going to be the cost. Agencies are you know, inherently expensive. You mentioned about staff churn, that kind of thing. Do you see that the it all comes out in the wash a bit similar? If you were to try and bring it in-house too early, you're going to be paying the same in the long run anyway and just stump up the cash for an agency, get over it kind of mindset? So it's a really good question. And I think there's different ways of thinking about it, right? So when you think of like a full-time employee, let's say you're spending, you know, forty to $60,000 on a full-time employee, you still have benefits and you got to manage with all the other aspects and um, those aspects of the business. Yeah. What I think a lot of e-commerce businesses make a mistake on when hiring an agency, they just go straight to the, the higher level agencies that do end up charging way larger retainers. And it's stuff that they don't need initially, right? Yeah. So I typically think there's four levels of agencies. And the first level, like I consider kind of like a value-based agency. Like when you're starting out, these are the guys that are, you know, charging retainers of, let's say, 600 to $3,000 to do, let's say, PPC, right? Mm -hmm. um, these are the guys that kind of help you get off the ground, get you some like baseline established. Um, once you move up to that kind of like mid-sized level agency, and this is when I think like you're spending, let's say, you know, anywhere between like 20 and $30,000 a month on like ad spend, 
right? At this point, you start getting these these agencies that charge between let's say three and seven or eight thousand um, dollars, usually on the, the more the mid end. Um, but they know how to scale your business from getting from twenty five to spending a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, once you kind of pass that stage, you start getting into agencies that. Um, they combine multiple different services. So they'll manage your landing page, your CRO, your email marketing, your PPC. So they, they look at the full funnel. And so now you're starting paying for retainers that are between like ten dollars and $20,000. Um, but it's because they manage multiple aspects of the funnel. And then the final one is just like your big name agencies that everyone kind of knows. And these are the guys that will take on those billion dollar brands and they'll say, hey, we're going to charge you $5 million. And on the back end, what they're doing is they're hiring the specialists and stuff like that with that budget so that they can manage an account that big. Yeah. Um, but what happens in with this explanation, what happens is that a business that should be on a value-based agency is working with like the higher tier agency and sure. they don't have the budget to work with them for more than three months. And so, yeah. I mean, we're in, we're in the e-com space. You need to be running things for longer term. Um, yeah. And if you can't do it, don't, don't work with an agency that charges that much. Start smaller. Yeah. And this is obviously where your expertise comes in, in in finding the right agency for the right business. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the times, I, I'll have uh, I'll have customers come in and and they'll be like, "Oh, I need this," and I'm like, "But the budget that you have, you can't." So it's a lot of like expectation setting of like, yeah. "Hey, let me guide you through this. We'll start here. We'll we'll get you to a certain point. Once you get to that point, reach out to me again, and then we move you up the chain." Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone benefits at that point because the agencies have. Um, a certain size customer that they're comfortable dealing with and working well with. And then once mm-hmm. they kind of outgrow, it's moving on before they get upset with them. Yeah. And I think one of the things I'm realizing is a strength of working with agencies is the flexibility of it. Uh, not that an agency would like this kind of mindset, maybe, but being able to chop and change somewhat, you know, so if you are starting out and you've got that entry level, the value uh, agency, as you've mentioned, but then you grow quickly, then you can always change things. Whereas to be able to ch- change staff or grow your team at, at pace is, is obviously very difficult. Yeah. And the other aspect that we're talking about, is like agencies are expensive. So let's, mm-hmm. let's take SEO, for example, mm-hmm. you need to hire a senior SEO person, a junior SEO person, copywriter, designer, developer, right? And then if they're a really good SEO agency, you likely have a CRO person and some PR. That's seven people. Mm-hmm. You'd have to hire for like, so most people think I can hire one or two people. It's like, no, you're not going to do the job at the level that it needs to be done at because yeah. you need all of these people to be working together. Um, so when people compare in-house versus agency, I'm like, you, well, you're getting the brain power of five to seven people for the yeah. cost of one to two. Yeah. The, the other thing, I mean, not to just try and throw all of the like agency myths at you and, and have this like a, you know, back and forth rebuttal session, but, um, I, I suppose my other uh, challenge with agencies is misaligned incentives. And they may be perceived, and that's maybe not correct, but I'd love to you know, hear your thoughts on it. From like a brand owner's perspective, my thought about an agency is that they want to be able to charge as much as possible and uh, deliver on the work with as little effort, obviously as little spend as possible, because they're trying to manage their margins too. Whereas I, I want to grow the business. I want someone that's going to invest in the growth of my business. How, how uh, are those incentives aligned? Is that a true? Is that a fallacy? Is there something you can do to overcome that? What are your thoughts? No, I mean, you bring up a really good point. Um, and I don't think it's a fallacy, but I also don't think it's 100% true. Uh, so it, there's different types of agencies. And so when I do like my deep dives, I ask some questions around like, 
what kind of the goals for the agency are and what people want to do. So typically when you find agencies that are like, oh, we've grown this much in the last two years and it's in like an insane growth amount, that usually brings up a red flag for me because I'm like, okay, the goal here is just growth. It's, mm. it's the operations and the processes and that type takes time to build so that you can grow like stably. Um, you can't hyper growth in an agency model. It's, it's very, very difficult to do um, unless you've done it before and you know kind of what to look out for. Um, it's kind of like a red flag for me. But when you start seeing about like talking to agencies that have, we've been around for 10 to 15 years and we do this and our team's this and we're looking to grow only, you know, 10% a year, 10 to 15% a year, that's much healthier. And that sounds like a much better agency for me to want to work with because I want my business to grow stable as well. For a lot of e-commerce businesses, um, I mean, we, we see it a lot and I talk to a lot of them. There's like, well, we want to double, we want to double and you want to double. And at some point, you know, your operations, your finance, your strategy, all this stuff needs to keep up. Um, and so um, if it's all about personality matching. And so if I find like a, an e-commerce business that I'm working with, for example, and they've been around for 15 years and they're growing steadily and they're like, we need someone to grow steadily with. And now that's a personality match versus, okay, we want a hyper growth. We got a hyper growth agency. Maybe we align the incentives to more of a performance based model where it's a, you know, a retainer plus a percentage because we are trying to grow and we're putting our best guys on them and we're paying our Google ads guys in the back a percentage or Facebook or PPC. Mm -hmm. We're paying them a percentage of however much we're making. And now those goals align. So a lot of what I do is just trying to personality match um, and match whatever goals someone's trying to have with the goals of an agency and um, making sure that they can get there. Yeah. Is a performance-based pay a common thing that agencies do? It's not common. Um, there are some agencies that do it because it's really hard to track mm -hmm. like the data and the analytics of it. But I also want to say that if you do end up working with a performance-based agency and they hit it out of the park, you pay way more mm -hmm. than you ever wanted to pay. Yeah. Um, so a lot of brands think they want it until it works and then they go, uh, can we rethink this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. And then um, like working with agencies, because there's one thing deciding that going an agency route is the way to go. And then it's another thing, actually having a good relationship, you'd be dealing with this day in, day out. What are some of the keys in, you know, initially just setting up the relationship? What are some things for both sides to understand to create that healthy relationship? Yeah. So some of the things to think about, one is when I'm doing my job, I'm, I'm trying to personality match. So if you're finding agencies on your own, like understand the personality of your business and who you are as a business and who's going to be working with the agency and then try to match person, like look for the personality in the agency where you can match there. So if you're talking to like the founder and stuff of the agency, typically you're going to be passed off to their team. And so get to know their team before you end up hiring them because it's going to be different than the personality of the, of the founder. Typically you want that personality to flow through the values and stuff, but make sure your personality and your values match. That's number one. Number two is like have KPIs and metrics and that are attainable. Uh, obviously you're going to have stretch goals and stuff like that, but know what you're, you're tracking against. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you're going to the agency, be like, can we track this and, and can we make sure that we're staying on top of this and um, try to surpass whatever our, our, our KPIs are for the business. Um, the other thing is that you need to have this expectation that um, the relationship between your business and the agency is that it's, it's a relationship. So in any relationship you have in life, you're going to meet probably 80% of the way there, even on the best case scenario, you're going to meet 80% of the way there. So a lot of people expect an agency to have like uh, this perfect thing and they need to be 100% good, but people will go to an agency and they'll be 80, 85% of the way there, what they need. And then that like last five to 15%, they're like, ah, oh, they, but they're not good at this, like one type of design. So I got to let them go and find another agency. It's like, you know what? 
like, why don't you just hire a designer in house and yeah. pay them part time and fulfill that gap because they're doing everything else well. And so it's just, it's really like build the relationship. And if you have someone that's like 80, 85% of the way there, you have a good agency, just fill in the gaps like you would for an employee. Like you're not going to tell an employee to work outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we will, but not too for too long. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those are some of the some of the like top level stuff to think about. Yeah, definitely. And then in terms of um, the relationship between you and the agency, what are some healthy expectations in terms of checking in contacts? Uh, I, I know it's going to differ a lot. Some people will want daily contact. Some people will want a monthly report. But what's just some good healthy expectations on on communication? Um. So it, it depends on the business, right? Like if you're super data driven, numbers oriented, like if you want to see those weekly, then just set those expectations up front. Um, and if you're, you know, someone that wants to see things monthly, like ask for that. Like basically, see what works for your business and and yeah. ask for that and make sure that the agency can live up to that. If they can't, then they're not a fit. Yeah. Um, and the other aspect of it is, um, and I think this is really important for business owners to know, is that I've seen a lot of times where like I'm in the kind of the middle and looking at between what the agency's done and what the business is saying. Um, and businesses need to have a certain level of understanding in marketing to be able to interface with different agencies. So if an agency, for example, is talking at like a 9 out of 10 level about Facebook and Google ads, but the person within the business can only understand it at a 2 out of 10 level, you're missing seven levels of context. Uh, and I've sat in meetings where like an agency has said like one sentence and I'm like, that one sentence is worth like 500,000 to a million dollars and you just skipped over it. Uh, you know what I mean? And so that's kind of where I, like as a business gets bigger and as I work with businesses in that like one to 20, $30 million range, uh, a lot of the times I'm like, look, if you don't have someone in house for the marketing piece, like we need to input someone as long as it's fractionally or even part time so that they can interface with the agency. So we're not missing context. Um, that's a lot like, that's where a lot of issues come up in um, uh, businesses and agency relationship is yeah. really down to the communication and being able to understand. Yeah. Do you have to mediate between the two sides much? Not a ton. Uh, there are like there's rare cases where I do like where I go in and you know and, and a business owner is saying this, something's happening here or agency owner says this. So I want to go figure out like what's going on. Is it truly like an agency thing? Is it a business thing? Is it a mixture of both? Because um, it matters to me how good my network is and like mm. people match and, and those types yeah. of things. And in those scenarios, I get to learn about, okay, so this type of business, because they were looking for something like this, this agency wasn't a fit. But if someone's mm. looking for like this, then this agency would fit. Yeah. Um, so I'm always kind of like iterating on that. Um, I don't have to get involved too much, but once in a while I do. And I'm always checking in with my customers every like two or three months of like, hey, how are things going? Could they do something better, worse? Uh, what are they doing poorly? Um, and kind of, would you look to work with them long-term? And if I if the answers are, not, are off, I'm like, well, Let's see if we can figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. And if, if someone is having like a bad experience with an agency, what would you say should be their steps if maybe they've already got an existing relationship and you're not involved in that at the moment and they don't have like a mediator? What are some things? Because I know some people will stay with an agency because they're worried about the impact of or, or what that agency might try and do to their marketing if they sack them or whatever. What is like a, a healthy route to either parting ways or, or carrying on? Um, so I always, like if you have a relationship established and you really think like, you know, uh, I don't know if they're doing the best they can, could they be doing better? Like get a third party consultant to do an audit. Mm. Like not like another, like get someone that you pay to mm. do an audit for you. 
Um, don't go for like a free audit or anything like that. Um, once you kind of do that and you say, hey, yeah, there's some things that can be improved, but they're 90% of the way there, then you know you got a good agency and it's maybe a communication thing. But if you do an audit and comes out the other way, well, you're like, okay, now it's time to look for a transition. And so, I mean, obviously in a transition, you kind of want to know which team's going to be taking over. So start kind of talking to other agencies, getting insights. Um, and even like now that you have that audit as well, you can actually see if the agencies that do audits will catch those things, mm. right? Um, mm. And that will start aligning with, oh, okay, so this agency is looking at those things and maybe they might be a better fit. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, agencies aren't malicious. Not all agencies are malicious. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's a very few that are. Yeah, yeah. And so people understand. Um, look at the terms and contracts. They say give us 30 days notice. Give them 30 days notice and, and transition, right? Um, yeah, yeah. For sure. You mentioned quite a few times about a good fit and you talked about personality, uh, making sure those values run through the agency. Are there any other things that uh, brand owners, business owners should be looking for? Like, how, how do I know an agency is a good agency? Sure, they've got some quotes on their website and you know, I, I might have had a recommendation, but are there some other sort of core things that people should be looking for to know, yeah, this is a good agency? You So I usually look at the time the agency has been around for. Uh, usually an agency needs to be around for like five years for like systems and processes to at least stabilize. Um, that's kind of what I look for. Uh, their growth path is important to me, like how much and how fast they want to grow because agencies do break. Um, it's good for customers to know this because once like an agency hits around that like 20 person mark, there's a shift fundamentally in the business where the owner has to pull themselves out, set up processes to kind of delegate. Um, and then there's another shift around 50 again. Um, and so this is why you see most agency owners like exit their agencies are around that like 50 person mark because they that's just another phase of growth that's going on there so for a business owner it's, to, it's important to understand that like as agencies grows they might break and it takes a little bit of time for them to stabilize the things you want to look at when people are stabilizing and you don't want to just leave um is do they have consultants and things that they're using to kind of fast track that stabilization mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, a lot of agency owners will not spend the money for different consultants and stuff to kind of get themselves stabilized again. So it takes them longer to do. Yeah. Um, so there's that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, you can look at case studies. You can talk to past customers. Um, I would even talk to customers that they've that have left the agency. Like instead of the customers that have stayed at the agency, I would want to talk to like one or two people that have left the agency yeah. um, and see what they say about uh, the work that they did and why they left and all this different kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so those are a couple other ways you can kind of start like looking at kind of what's going on. Um, and uh, the other piece would be you could hire someone on your side to kind of like help with the vetting process of agencies yeah. as well. Okay, no, that's helpful. Um, final thought, I think, from me. I'm sure something else will spring up in a second now I've said that. But um, in terms of like a, a journey with agencies for like the average e-commerce brand, now I know every business is going to be different and it's not going to be necessarily the same route, but say, you know, we've got the brand owner listening that's doing 500000 a year, million, $2 million a year. They're looking to get some extra help and they want to look at the idea of agencies. Do you recommend a certain route? Start with this uh, vertical, <clears throat> you know, outsource this aspect, then this aspect, then this aspect. Do you have like a route like that or is it just very much a unique basis? It, I mean, it's so it's so unique. So ultimately, like you just need to make sure your foundation is stable. So I always look when I talk about foundation, I'm like, you need to make sure your website is really, really good. You have com your conversion rates aren't 0.5, right? Mm -hmm. Like making sure that's established, making sure that you have email flows built out and then running some sort of campaign. So like 
that's kind of where I would have like my basis set up because no matter what yeah. you do on the top of funnel, if your if your core is not established, yeah. you're just basically sending traffic and it's just a leaky bucket, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I would spend money first, um, just to establish the baseline foundation. Um, and it's not ongoing stuff that you need to pay for, right? Like you can still run the campaigns yourself, but you can play someone. Uh, one time to build out, you know, email flows. Uh, you can pay someone to do some uh, conversion rate optimizations over three to five months, like that kind of stuff, right? Um, while you're spending some PPC. Once you've got that established and you know your data and your numbers and all that different kind of stuff, and it doesn't need to be like super, super set, but like get it 80 to 90% of the way there. Um, then you start spending more money on the top of funnel stuff because you know you're, you're, you fix kind of the leaky bucket of it. So PPC, SEO, influencer, um, all those avenues are ways of bringing awareness and brand into your business. And what e-commerce businesses I think need to start shifting and focusing on now, because after COVID things have changed, you can't just throw money at Facebook and Google and hope to be profitable. It's, you have to think about truly building a brand. Um, there's no shortcut to it. And I don't yeah. feel there's any shortcut to it. And I think the shortcuts are going to get less and less. It's really just establish a really strong brand, make sure people know your brand when they see it and they have confidence and trust. Um, and that takes time to do. Mm -hmm. And so don't spend money like on a silver bullet. It's kind of what I've been telling my, my e-commerce business is there's no silver bullet anymore. It's anything that you want to invest in, make sure that you have the cash flow and your finances in place that you can do it long-term because yeah. over time the flywheel will take effect. Mm -hmm. Um, like one of my e-commerce businesses that I work with, they're doing 20 to 25 million. Um, they don't run any Facebook ads anymore. They cut their entire Facebook spend. They invested in SEO for like about a year and a half to two years. And now their SEO, they have a million traffic a month. They're like, wow. we don't need to run Facebook ads anymore. We run Google because we can run that really efficiently and we're making the, the, the money back that we want. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, imagine how many brands do you know in the e-commerce space that say they don't run, they like, they're done with Facebook ads. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You're right, though. It's, it, the approach is, has to be a full funnel approach, and I think that's it's interesting and helpful that you mentioned that. You know, start with that bottom of funnel and then build out the top of funnel, uh, because it has to be that way. I think in in the modern day brand building environment we're in, for sure. So um, yeah, no, super useful. Uh, I, I knew I, I would say final thought, and now I have another one, but just uh, one last one. For anybody that's listening that's thinking, well, maybe I've got these skills that I've built running an e-commerce business, learning about e-commerce. Uh, building an agency actually sounds like it might be something I'd want to do. Where do you see the opportunities in the next two to three years for entrepreneurs? Um, you know, there's obviously lots of SEO agencies, CRO agencies. There's, you know, lots of different things going on. But, yeah, where do you see the opportunities? I think the opportunity is in building agencies that can do the full funnel approach. Um, it's I think the days of doing things in silos and piecing them together, like I, you can do that, but you always need someone internally, like for an agency to be really successful, like to have control over all pieces uh, of the funnel. Um, like I said, uh, land page, like uh, conversion rate optimization, um, the ad spend and the email. If you can control those four, I mean, brands will pay you pretty good money to do that and do it well. Mm -hmm. um, because what happens if you don't do that? I mean, you got the PPC guy and the email guy and this person's running something and you got to try to connect the dots and that's why you need that marketing director in the middle to do a lot of that stuff. But for, I think that's the, the opportunity there for agencies is really looking at the full funnel approach and just tacking on other aspects of the funnel yeah. um, and potentially even changing the model of spend. Like I've seen some of my agencies just charge a retainer per month and say this, like, I don't care what your ad spend is, mm. this is what we charge. And yeah. so you can be spending, let's say, you know, 50K 
or you can be spending 400k, but we're charging the same amount. Um, that and I've seen customers like that model more. Yeah, you said brands paying you a lot of money, uh, or and you mentioned payment there, but for both sides of the equation, for anybody that maybe wants to offer services, but also for brands, what's like a healthy expectation for? Um, what you should be paying again I know it's going to differ a lot between the disciplines but you know uh, someone that's managing an aspect of the business that's say generating a million dollars is there a percentage that I should be in the range of to know hey I'm not getting fleeced here this is a good you know price what is there any advice you can give on that or is it too it's so it's so hard because like this is kind of why I do some like agency audit stuff. Like I'm actually probably going to be offering this as a service at some point because I, I just jump on calls and someone will say, I'm spending $8,000 on SEO for my brand. I'm like, what are they giving you? Are they doing this, this, that? Like literally, and then two days later, he's like, I let those guys go. And I'm like, right? Like, and so a lot of the times it's just knowing like $8,000 isn't an outrageous number to spend on SEO, but it just depends on what you're actually getting for it. Right. And like I said, there's different levels, like in the SEO agency world for me, I have like multiple levels of SEO agencies. And so I'll look at a business and go, this is how much you have to spend. This is what you can actually afford right now. And as you grow, yeah, we'll get to that $8,000, but you can't do that right now. Um, so if you're spending, like I, I would start looking at if you're spending 10 K plus retainers, um, there's probably room to say either like save money, find better value. Cause I, I see a lot of agencies and like, we, we charge this much and do this. And I'm like, but I know this agency that does that for, you know, two, $3,000 less a month and do this, this, and this. Yeah. And so, um, it's hard for brands to know because, uh, I, I got this from someone on my LinkedIn. There's like, I was like that the average agency shouldn't charge that much. And they're like, B, the only reason you know that it's what the average agency is because you have a sample size of 650 that you've spoken to. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So no business is going to have that like understanding of how much things should cost because they don't know what the average should be and what yeah. you should get at which cost. So yeah. probably talking to someone like me or another marketing broker or, so, or like a fractional CMO or someone that mm -hmm. has seen more quotes would actually kind of help you go, am I paying the right amount of money? Yeah. No, good thoughts. Good thoughts. Um, anything I haven't asked you that you think would be good to share before we close? Um, no, yes. Really insightful questions. Uh, Thanks, so yeah, no, I appreciate it. And I hope what I shared was valuable to the people listening yeah, as well. I find it fascinating and I'm sure there will be, you know, different subsets of our audience for different reasons will find it interesting to be able to know and implement. And so, yeah, absolutely. Where can people find out more about what you do and, um, and get in touch? Um, the best way to get in touch with me is uh, on my website. So www.cjammarketing.com. Um, and then I have a resource section on there that I'm building out with like different types of questions that businesses and stuff can ask. Uh, so, uh, there's a resource section in the bottom footer if you, if people want to go there and then LinkedIn, uh, underneath Beta Jamshidi as the name is on the screen. Um, I'm there quite active. I'm posting probably three or four times a week on there and, uh, talk to people on LinkedIn quite often. Awesome. Well, we'll leave the links for that in the, uh, in the show notes, in the description, so people can find you there. Uh, again, Bida, thank you for taking the time out. I really do appreciate your time. Some some great value dropped there. Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. Well, I'm sure you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, lots of good thoughts shared there. If you do have any questions or do want to check out any more, make sure to check those links in the description. And we'll see you in the next episode, same time next week. Take care.